Besides for the famous marriage between Yitzchak Avinu and Rivka Avinu that takes place in Parshish Chayesara, before the Chumash writes Avram Avinu out of the script of the Torah, Parshish Chayesara highlights another marriage that takes place, or perhaps a remarriage, and that is the marriage between Avram Avinu and a woman named Keturah. And the question is, who is Keturah? How should she be identified? And why exactly does the Chumash want us to know about Avraham's union with this woman? Now, in terms of who this woman was, there seems to be what at least looks like a machlokas rishonim, but which might actually manifest itself as a machlokas between the different angles of pardes. And the question is, if we can possibly resolve that machlokas in any which way, or understand how to read these seemingly different interpretations as coexisting realities. And in order to do that, we have to, once again, enter another dimension, a dimension of not only Pshat, but of Remez, Josh, and Sod. So please, journey with me into a mystifying paradise of Parsha and imagination, an area which we call the Parsha Pardes. So welcome to this week's edition of Parsha Pardes, or Parsha Paradise, here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. And this year is being sponsored anonymously with Lenishmash Shmuel Menachem and Ayaleb, Leah Bas Avraham, and Yehuda Chizdei Akir Ben Rav Shlomo, the Neshamash Shab and Aliyah. And we also have a sponsorship from Dear Chavirim, Yoni, and Margali Lewis. Thank you all for the sponsorships. And anyone else who wants to sponsor just needs to reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. If you enjoyed these Shiorim and all the other things that we upload here at the database, so that's where you can reach out to me to partner up in what we do here. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Keturah. So there is a famous approach that's offered to explain who exactly Keturah was, and it is based on the Medrash. And the question is, if this is Pashat Pshat, because it could, it could be that we are jumping all the way over to Drash at this point, but Rashi famously tells us that Keturah is to be identified with Hagar, the woman who was previously driven out of Avraham's home at the whim of Sarah Imenu with the authorization of Akadosh Baruch Hu, when um, Yishmael had to be kicked out of the house, so Hagar went with him. And the Chumash is telling us that apparently Avraham marries this woman, and the Medrash is suggesting that this was Hagar. Avraham was remarrying Hagar, and she was called Keturah, because she was righteous in a certain sense, that her deeds were pleasant, as if they would have the aroma of the Ketoras. It's not the first time in Chazal that we find that good deeds are identified or are uh, symbolized by a nice smell. We have a similar phenomenon by the Hadassim, but... Um, not for now. There's another pshat that's offered by Rashi to explain the meaning of Keturah, and that is that Keturah is a lashon of tying oneself. And say Chazal, that Keturah, or Hagar, she tied her own womb, as it were, and had no union with any other man from the, the entire time that she was away from Avram until the time that she remarried him to the time that she reunited with him, there was not a single man that she lived with. So she tied herself up. She bound herself until she was reunited with Avraham. 
Now, why Avram would remarry the woman who was a rival and co-wife with Sarah Imenu, where there was clearly a, a, a bitter rivalry there, we spoke about this in Parsha Panorama last year. You can go back to the archives and listen to that, where we also addressed the question of how it was that, according to the Medrash, it was Yitzchak, of all people, who was the Shadchan for this marriage. So we explained what exactly Yitzchak's role in all of this was and why, in fact, Yitzchak was involved in bringing Keturah back into the picture, bringing Hagar back into the picture. But this seems to be the, the Midrashic approach. And the question is if Rashi believes this to be true, Alpip Shat, that reading the narrative through, you should understand that this, in fact, was actually Hagar. Because if, if you look in other Pashtanim, so the most famous among them, perhaps Rashbam and Ibn Ezra, both Rashbam and Ibn Ezra, they tell you straight out that this woman was not Hagar. And it's interesting because they, they take for granted that there's such an approach out there. You look at the Rashbam's comment, the Rashbam says, on the word Keturah, he says, Lafi Pshat Einzu Hagar. According to Pshat, this is not Hagar. Now, who was asking? Right? But the Rashbam knows that you're familiar with Rashi, his, uh, his father, and the, and Rashbam wants you to know that this, um, the, this was not actually true, at least not Alpi Pshat. And the Ibn Ezra echoes the sentiment saying, in, in similar vein, on the word Keturah, Einanu Hagar. And he goes on to explain, Kikasiv Lufnei Pelagshim, is the, 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 the Pelagshim in plural. And so we'll have to address that as well, because Rashi talks about the fact that later, there's a reference to Pelagshim, which sounds like it's plural, so Rashi has an explanation for how it's not really plural, because there's a missing Yud. But, be that as it may, the Ibn Ezra and Rashbam are both telling us that this woman, Api Pshat, regardless of what Chazal will tell you, according to Pshat, this was not Hagar. So, apparently there's a separate woman whose name was Keturah. The Radak also suggests that, that Keturah was not even a Pilagesh. When the Chumash later talks about the Pilagshim, so the, the Radak says that's clearly not how, uh, that it's clearly not a reference to Keturah, because the Pasuk says that, that he took her as a wife. And a wife is not a Pilagesh. A Pilagesh is not a wife. A wife is not a Pilagesh. So Keturah was a separate um, marriage. And according to the Radak, it sounds like Avraham might have had five different unions with women. If you, if you suggest that there was Sarah, there was Hagar, there was Keturah, and perhaps there were at least one or two other Pilagshim that Avraham might have been married to at some point. Not with Aksuba, not as, as wives, but as Pilagshim. But what you get is that it seems that there is both a Jirash approach that says that it was Hagar, there is a Pshat approach that says that this is not Hagar. That even though, yes, we acknowledge that there's a Jirasha out there that says that this was Hagar, but the, the straight read is meant to be read as it is. There's a woman whose name is Keturah. Right? The Chumash tells us her name is Keturah. So this is a separate woman. So does Rashi actually believe what he says to be true from the Medrash? Does he believe that to be true? I'll be shot historically. This was the same woman. Or no, there's just a Jirasha apparently that this can be seen and read into the narrative as perhaps being Hagar. But the question remains then as why Chazal would try to teach us this. 
It sounds like even Rashi is not saying this all peep shot. And the Rashbam um, is famous for having said that even though the Drushas are the Iker, there is a separate shot approach of how you read the story of the Chumash. And Rashi himself, had he had more time, Rashi had voiced this to, um, to the Rashbam, that had Rashi had more time, he would have written a separate commentary that's devoted just to explaining the Chumash al Pshat. So that means that maybe, and presumably Rashi didn't believe this to be the historical reality necessarily, or if we, if, if we, if we, maybe we don't want to call it that, we'll just say al Pshat. This is not to be understood as Hagar, but Rashi wants you to be able to read the story in such a way that it is Hagar. And the question remains as to why that should be. Why would we want to be able to read the story in a way that this is Hagar? So this question was also addressed in Parsha Panorama. We're going to address it from a different angle today. A similar angle, but a, di- but a somewhat different angle. Before we do that, let's move over to the Remez. Because if, it's not, if you're not compelled enough that there's a reason to read into this Pasuk, into this part of the Chumash, that this in fact might have been Hagar, or that there's a reason to, uh, to, to read the story as though this would have been Hagar, the Vilnagon Kedarko brings us a very beautiful remez to defend the Jerusha that this in fact was Hagar. And how does he do so? So he goes to the problematic Pasuk that we find later, where the Chumash talks about the gifts that Avraham gave to the Bnei HaPilagshin, so this is in Perak Chafhei Pasuk Vav, as opposed to the Pasuk that we've been on until now, Perak Chafhei Pasuk Aleph. So five Pasukim later in Chafhei Vav, the Pasuk says, And to the Pelagshim that were to Avraham, so Avraham gave them gifts. So Rashi there points out that the word Pelagshim is chaser, it's missing a letter Yud. And why is it missing a letter Yud? Well, because it shouldn't be read as plural, it should be read as singular. There wasn't Hagar and Keturah, but there were, there was only one woman. And you look at the Rashbam there. The Rashbam says, "No, it's Hagar and Keturah. They're two separate women." But says Rashi, "No, there's one woman. Pilagshim is is without the yod, and it's meant to be read as one pilagash." But the question remains then: Is why would you write the word Pilagshim with or without the yod? The letter mem shouldn't be there, and the nakuda that says Pilagshim shouldn't be there. So why would you have the letter Mem in there if you want to just tell me it's one? Just say Pilagesh. V'lefnei Pilagesh that Avraham had. Avraham gave gifts to the Pilagesh. So says the Vilna Gon. I'm going to shorten the Vilna Gon a little bit. But the Vilna Gon explains that one of the fundamental differences or the fundamental difference between a regular wife and a Pilagesh is that a regular wife receives a Ksuba and the and a, and a Pelegish does not receive a Ksuba. The Vilnagon was wondering why we refer to it as a Ksuba. You can call it a Ksav, right? Why do you call it a well? Why do we have the Minhag? Why in Halacha is it called a Ksuba? It could be called a Ksav, something in writing, a document. Why do you have to call it Ksuba? So the Vilnagon says the reason that we call it Ksuba is really that we add the Vav and the hey in the word ksuba, we add the vav and the hey to the word ksav, and that is to be mashlim, to complete the shame Hashem, that we have a yud, a hey, and a vav, and a hey. And where is the yud and the hey coming from? So we know that the Gemara tells us, the Gemara in Sota, on Dafyid Zayin Amid Aleph, that when there's a good marriage between a husband and a wife, 
So the Shechina, the letters Yud and He of the Shem Hashem are between them. Right? We know that there's a, a Yud in the word Ish, there's a He in the word Isha, and when everything goes well, it has the Shem Hashem. And we know that if it doesn't go well, the Shem Hashem is not there, and you have Ish, you have destruction. But the Vav and the He of the word Ksuba are completing the Shem Hashem that we have a full Yud Ke Vav Ke. But says the Vilnagon, this is only true with an Isha, with a wife. But let's say the nature of the union is, is a man and a Pilagesh, so a man and a woman who is not a wife but a Pilagesh. So there you don't have the Shem Hashem because it's not an Isha and an Isha, and it's, not, and it's without a Ksuba, so you don't have the Yodke and the Vavke. So says the Vilnagon, this is alluded to in the word Peleg or Pilagshem without the Yod. What, is it, what does it come out to? Peleg Shem, that the name of Hashem separates. The name of Hashem is Nifrad. It dissipates. There is no Shem Hashem that appears in the union between a man and a mere Pilagesh. It's just Peleg Shem. The Shem Hashem separates from that union. It's not exactly the same level of a holy Kadosh Dika marriage. Thus says the Vilna Gon to explain the reason for the word Pilagshim without the Yud, but why we still maintain the Mem in the word Pilagshim to defend the Adrasha that this was Hagar. Very fascinating indeed. The question is what we would do with such an approach. Why do we want to read into this, into this version of the Chumash that this might have been Hagar? And again, even Rashbam and Ibn Ezra will acknowledge that there's an Adrasha that this, this was Hagar. Why would we want to read it this, this way? Before I answer, I'll mention once again what we mentioned in the database in the past, and that is the comment of the Rashbam that the drashos are the ikr, meaning there's a pshat way to read the chumash, but the drashos are really the ikr. The Rashbam, who is one of the most famous pashtanim, says this himself. He says it um, in his hakdamah to chumash, but he also says it in his hakdamah to parshas vayeshev. And this was, this we spoke about at length in Real Talk Torah in a conversation that my brother Rav Daniel and I had about the Rashbam's pshat and tefillin, a very interesting metaphoric pshat. But the point is that apparently there's a way to read the story that this was Hagar. And we might say that even if al pshat, the Chumash mainly only cared to communicate that Avra married a woman named Keturah, we might say that maybe historically the drasha was true, right? Well, when we talk about the difference between, between pshat and drasha, we're not necessarily suggesting that the pshat is what historically happened and the drasha is just a homiletical lesson. Typically, that's how we might read it. But you might also say that pshat is more of the mushal way of reading it, that the Chumash gave a basic storyline so that you could understand it. Again, al pshat, even though there might be deeper realities there. And maybe the drasha is actually the historical reality. It's not so clear, but I just want you to have that in your mind as a possibility that Keturah is really the Chumash's Pshat nickname for, or pseudonym for a random woman that Avraham married. Maybe historically it was actually Hagar. But let's say it's not that way. Let's say the Pshat is the historical way to understand it, that the woman was really named Keturah. This was a separate woman. But why would we want to read that maybe this was Hagar? So there's a very dubious approach as we move over to Sod, we move over to the, the secrets of Kabbalah, a Zohar that I have to admit that I do not completely understand. But this Zohar, and, 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 and uh, there's no shame in that, right? But the Zohar, in his Sod Pshat, as we get into the, the Samach of Pardes, so this Zohar could be found in, in I guess, Chelek Aleph, in 1, 130b. So 1, 130b. And there's apparently a whole 
um, like dramatic mystery surrounding this pasuk, because if you look, the 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 the, the, the Zohar says this pasuk, uh, the, the pasuk, namely pasuk Aleph in this parak, Vayosef Avram. The Avram continued, and he took a woman whose name was Keturah. So apparently, this is, is sub, this was subject to a lot of confusion among the um, the the Chachamim of Chazal, and which the which the 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 Zohar quotes. But apparently, so Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Hakol Parsha Da is Bararlan Avaloy Chana Lemin Da Amahu. This whole um, this whole um, portion in 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 scripture is made clear, but I don't know the meaning of this verse. You know, I can understand everything. I just can't understand this verse. But Yosef Avram I don't get this part. According to anyone of reasonable mind, this contradicts the explanation concerning soul and body. At the time of resurrection, it's it's a mystery. I have to admit, I don't know completely what he means. But as the Zohar continues, they went to the base Medrash to try to understand what this Pasuk was. Rabbi Huda, among many other Rabbanim, they came to Rabbi Elazar, and they were asking him, what does this Pasuk mean? And in, the, the, in, in a larger discussion where they're talking about the Merkava, the Divine Chariot, he comes back and says, and, and, and they ask him, they say, Listen, Amr Asena Kame Lamar Laminda, we came to ask you about the secret. Laminda Raza, the high psuk of this Pasuk, by Yosef Avram Vaikach Isha Shmakatura. So they asked him for for what what what's the secret of this Pasuk? And he explained as follows Amar Perusha Daipsuka. The explanation of this Pasuk, Kimatigalu Khavran Amare Masnisan, um is revealed by the friends versed in the Mishnah that say as follows Dharnishmasa Yese Bahu Gufa Kadisha Dila. That when the soul enters its holy body, ha milaya havu al chayavaya, these words will be said about the wicked. Interestingly, dikumun vichshurun ovadan vitein lhu miziva yikara dilei vintuun visuvan viskun zchusa These words, when the soul enters the body, these words will be said of the wicked, who will be resurrected, and make better their deeds. They'll improve their deeds, and the soul will grant them its precious splendor. So they will know, repent, and have full merit again. Now, again, it's still really unclear to me what the Zohar is talking about, but apparently there's a secret that relates to tshuva. He says that when there's apparently some resurrection of the wicked, and apparently this Pusik somehow alludes to the secret of, of tshuva, of the divine splendor that they can apparently achieve when they when they improve their deeds. Now I don't know if the, if the Zohar is making any references to the concept of Gilgulim, like when you get resurrected to make a tikkun for your neshama. I don't know if it's a reference to the fact that Avraham is going again and marrying again after being without a wife, after being you know incomplete. But perhaps you can suggest that. The main moral that we're trying to learn from the Russia that this woman was Keturah is in fact the moral of Tshuva, which Rashi tells us, look how she improved on her deeds. We knew what she was in the lifetime of Sarah. But now, after Sarah's lifetime, we see a woman who is possibly turned around. And apparently there are secrets in Kabbalah of, that we see in the Zohar that are talking about the the reality and the possibility, the opportunity for a person to do tshuva, to improve on their deeds. And somehow that's learned out from this Pesach. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we should be able to read the Pesach and understand that a woman like Hagar and maybe a son like Yishmael were able to do tshuva. 
In fact, that is another thing that Chazal tell us about both Hagar and Ishmael, that they did do tshuva. So whether or not this was the woman that Avraham married or remarried, so again, there seems to be different approaches. And maybe on the, there seems to be a, on, on the surface, there's a machlokas, but maybe we can read all of these approaches simultaneously as coexisting, um, whether, we, whether we know what historically was, but apparently there's a deeper um, there's a deeper message that we're supposed to be learning from the story of Avram's marriage to Keturah, which somehow hides the isodos and the sodos, the foundations and secrets of tshuva, which apparently emerged from, again, this this dubious marriage uh, between Avram and Keturah. Anyway, uh, though we've learned a lot here, and using all four angles of Pardis, Psha, Remez, Drash, and Sod, we were able to uncover some really interesting possibilities and discussions about the identity of this woman, Keturah. Thank you for joining us here at the database and have a wonderful Shabbos.